Wonderful. Well, it's lovely to be here with you this morning and worship God together. Isn't God good? Isn't it wonderful that he really touches us at a deeper level and uh, we just see him for who he is, this wonderful, loving and a uh, person that's drawing us, inviting us into his presence to know him deeper and know him more. Um, it's wonderful. Good. Well, I'm going to be uh, continuing our series on uh, Philippians this week. Last week we had our wonderful family service where Michaela uh, shared the word of God with us, talked about anybody's, somebody's, everybody's and anybody's. And it was a great word. In fact, we saw lots of fruit as, uh, as Michaela shared that word and people responding at the end. It was great um, to be family together. It was a great family service. Today, we're continuing a service on finding joy through this wonderful letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians. So if you'd like to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 12 to 18, and the words will be on the screen, but I'm going to read them out to you as well. So starting from uh, chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, Paul says, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the universe as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I'm just going to pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And I just pray this morning, as you already have been doing, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds, that you will impart something new and fresh this morning as I share your words. Holy Spirit, I pray you would come. Come and use these words and anoint them that they would impact our hearts in a new way. Thank you, Lord, that we are completely accepted and loved by you. Thank you that nothing can separate us from you. And I just pray as we seek you this morning, guide us, teach us, and help us to grow more like Jesus. Amen. 
Wonderful. So here we are, second chapter of Philippians. And, you know, I love this chapter. I don't know about you, but it's bursting with wonderful truth of who God is, of who Jesus was, that he gave his life, he gave up everything in order or that God raised him up and made him like the greatest authority in heaven and on earth, as we heard a couple of weeks ago. As he humbled himself, became obedient to death, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That Jesus is the name that is above every name. That his kingdom knows no end. That he is the king of kings. That Jesus made him the great king of kings. That every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. This is the Messiah. This is the Jesus that we know and love. And as we come into this part of the chapter, we notice that the passage begins with, therefore, my dear friends. Highlighting again the great relationship that Paul had with this early church. Now, there are a couple of things I want to draw out from this passage this morning. And it's two ways I believe God wants to speak to us about, about finding joy in this passage. The first is finding joy in obedience. Obedience can sometimes be a bit of a a not very nice word. Sometimes we think of obedience. I don't want to do pride in my heart, talking more personally. I don't want to do what I'm told to do. But actually there's joy to be found in being obedient. In being obedient to what God says. Being obedient to what the authority that God's placed over us. And the first thing we notice about this passage is the obedience of the Philippian church. As Paul states here, he says in verse 12, You have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. There's a great level of trust between Paul and this uh, Philippian church, and vice versa. Paul knew them as friends, people who had wholeheartedly committed themselves to partnering with Paul in the gospel, as we read the beginning of chapter 1. There was much joy in this wonderful partnership because we see joy all through this letter. You know, it's known as the epistle of joy. The joy that the Philippian church gave to Paul. Paul initially established this church, in fact, as an act of obedience. In fact, um, if we look in the uh, book of Acts, chapter 16, the Holy Spirit forbade or told Paul not to go into Asia, but instead to go to Europe, to go towards uh, Macedonia. Paul, in fact, as we read in Acts 16, had a vision, and the vision where a man said, go into the region of Macedonia, where Philippi was. Philippi was a major settlement in those days. It was a, a port, and it was a Roman colony, a great big city. So God's plan was different to Paul's plan. Paul was going to go towards Asia, but God said, actually, 
Paul, I want you to go towards Europe. And what I really appreciate about Paul is when he heard God, he responded. He responded to God speaking. God wanted to use Paul to reach the people of Philippi and then um, on and beyond. So the church, the Philippian church, was birthed out of the initial obedience of Paul. And a defining characteristic of this early church, as we see, is one of obedience. Obedience to the word of God, obedience to the outworking of salvation, and obedience to the adhering to the teachings of Jesus. It was in their DNA. Joy comes when we live in obedience to the things that God has called us to. And a question for us this morning is, what is God calling you to at this time? What opportunities do you have to know joy in, in that world of obedience, in hearing from God and, and acting on it? So I suppose a, a question to ask would be, how do we hear from God? I mean, if God is speaking, if God is leading us, if, if God is truly there, we may not see him, but we believe in him, we have faith in him, how do we hear from him? Well, God speaks to us in lots of different ways, which is really helpful of him. He speaks to us through his word, the Bible. He speaks to us through prayer. When we come before him and we offer our prayers up to him, he drops things in our mind. He speaks to us then. God speaks to us through relationships, relationship with others. God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit is here with us, guiding us, teaching us, encouraging us, counseling us. The Holy Spirit. And God speaks to us even in the beauty of creation itself. Um, there's a man, John Eldridge, an American author who I've um, read one of his books, I would like to say I've read more. Uh, he's written a book called Wild at Heart, which I've not read yet, but I've heard it's very good. But one of his books that I've read is this one. And it's called Fathered by God, book recommendation. Now, it's a book for men. So, women, don't switch off for a moment, because it's a book you can recommend to uh, your husbands or any men that you might know. But it's a, a wonderful, wonderful book. And I'd say I cannot recommend it more highly. For me, I read this when, you know, it was a time when I was possibly at the completely lowest point of my life. And in the book, John Eldridge calls men back to a simple and reassuring truth. And that truth is that God is our Father. The book takes you through stages of manhood. Ugh. If it was a men's conference, we'll all be, you know, going uh, together. But the book takes you through stages of manhood. It takes you from beloved son to cowboy. I think it's a cowboy in all of us, men, sorry. Through to warrior, through to lover. Interesting chapter. Through to king, through to sage. 
I think it's every man's ambition to be a sage, you know, a bit like Gandalf in uh, Lord of the Rings. And it's a brilliant, brilliant book. Anyhow, in this book, John Eldridge talks about the way that God communicates to us, and in particular, through creation, through the beauty of creation. The way that God delights in, in John is he found was by leaving him signs everywhere he goes. He would see God in different things. Everywhere he went, in creation, in the clouds, in, in the trees, in the beauty of the things around him. And he tells this story in the book of being out fishing one time, standing in a stream, um, and, and all of a sudden he sort of doesn't really think about it, but he's looking down, and he sees in the stream a stone that's a little darker shade than the others. And it sort of catches his eye. Anyhow, so he sort of bends down and he picks it up. And the thing he notices about this stone that's caught his eye, it's in the shape of a heart. Now, you might think, coincidence. But for, God, for, for John and for, I think, you know, for us as Christians, you know, we can find ways that God communicates to us. And for him, it was God's way of getting his attention and reminding him how much he is loved. It's wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful to see God in the little things. You know, when I'm out running um, around the common, I live right next to Epsom Common, and I go out running quite, um, quite regularly, and often I see deer on the common, which I always get, you know, it always still blows me away that there's like wild deer running around the, very close to where I live. And for me, the very first moment it happened, or even after reading this book, I asked myself the question, God, where are you in the little things of my every day? And I felt God say to me that, actually, I'm in those deer. Every time you see a deer, think of me. Because it was God speaking to me about, I am with you, I am standing with you, I love you, and you are not alone. So for me... Something very significant for me is to know that I'm not alone. And to see those deer, wow, God, thank you. In fact, I was out there this morning. I said, God, it'd be lovely to see a deer this morning. But he, he didn't. So God doesn't work the same every time. God works in lots of different ways. That's why we have faith. We step out in faith because actually, Lord, we know that you're going to provide if I step out in faith. You know, this morning, it was such a blessing to me to have Bianca come and want me to pick her up. You know, again, just God reminds me, you're not alone. I've let Bianca come and bless you, and you can hold her for the period of the worship that you're there. What a blessing to me. God speaks through lots of different wonderful ways to us. What is it for you, is the question to ask. What are the little things in your life that God's does that you can see him in. You know, we are obedient not to a strict, overbearing father, but one who is full of grace, full of compassion, a father who loves us with a love that's releasing and, and freeing, empowering, not a father who is manipulative or controlling, not a father that's harsh or aggressive. 
We're obedient to a loving, patient, devoted Father. He's devoted to every single one of you. You know, he'll never leave us, never abandon us. You know, when we open our hearts to him, that's where we find joy. Another question I have for today is, how do you know you're being obedient to all that God is calling to you, you to? You know, how do you know that? You know, both in the little things and, of course, the big things. Well, you know, there are times when I hear God clearly give me direction for jobs. You know, at the moment, you know, it might be there's some frustrations in jobs and you need to ask God, is it right to look for a new job? Or are you teaching me something through this process? You know, with, with the big decisions. But I also... You know, really feel I've heard God clearly in the small ways. And I felt it was right to share this story. This story came to mind as, as I was preparing. And um, there was a time when I lived in Birmingham um, uh, for, for a number of years. And this particular occasion, I was walking home f- from the, the city centre. And I was walking up Bristol Road. Those you know, Birmingham, it's one of the big roads that lead out of, of the city. And I was walking past this um, housing estate. And, um, and as I was walking past this housing show, I clearly sensed God stop me in my tracks and bring my attention to this um, estate to my left. So I stopped going on my way home. I had plenty of time. I was a student at the time, so I wasn't in a hurry. And I went towards this, um, th- these housing, and it, it looked a pretty run-down area. And I was pretty excited because, you know, I'd, I felt I'd heard God. You know, this is great. But as I went into this place, it was eerily quiet. And I went in further, and as I went in, I saw a young person sitting against the wall. And as I approached them, now wouldn't it be great if I told the story as they, they came and knew the Lord and they gave their life to him. But they just went running off. And I was like, Lord, well, why am I here? What, what is this about? Why, why did you lead me into this place? So what I did is I took some time to pray for the community that God had led me to. So I prayed, I interceded, I prayed for the homes, the houses, the people that lived there. I prayed for Jesus to become known in that community. And then I just walked home. Little did I know that within two years of praying that prayer, I would be living a stone's throw from the very spot where I'd stood and prayed. And I have no doubt that my prayers that I prayed that day were an active and significant part of what God was wanting to do in that area. How easy do we find it to hear from God, to be obedient to what God is saying, to have ears to hear, trusting in the small voice of God, listening for God. You know, listening for God can be so easily overcrowded by our own thoughts, by deadlines that we've got, by building work that we might have in our house. There are lots of things that can distract us. Facebook, Twitter, How are you carving out time in your life to hear God? Creating opportunities for God to speak 
to you and direct your life. That's the first thing. That's finding joy in being obedient, in being led by God. Secondly, from this passage, we can find joy in the ability to shine like stars. In verse 15, Paul encourages the Philippian church, you will shine among them as you hold out the word of life. We can find joy in this wonderful ability to shine like stars. God wants us to shine like stars. And I would say that from this passage, there are two ways that the Philippian church are encouraged by Paul to shine. Firstly, as I've just read, holding on to the word of life. It's of utmost importance that we hold on to the word of life. The word of life be our motivator for life. You know, the word is something that we hold on to and never let go. You know, another variation um, of this word, holding on to, is used in 1 Timothy 4, verse 16, to keep close watch. Holding on to the word of life, keeping close watch of your life and holding on to something that's true. Don't let it leave your grasp. When you found it, hold on to it. Never let it go. Stay with it. Fix your mind on it. I mean, the song we just sang about fixing our mind on Jesus, fixing our all on Jesus, knowing it, putting our heart on it, giving yourselves to it. This uh, holding on to the word of life is how we might shine. As you hold on to the truth of the gospel, the word of life will find joy. We'll find freedom, hope, love, strength, power as children of God. So that's the first thing, how we shine, how we find joy. Secondly, by throwing off all that hinders. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, so this verse comes straight after we hear of all those men of faith in Hebrews 11. Since we're surrounded by such great crowd of witnesses, men and women that have stood the faith, who have stood firm on the word of God, the word of life, Jesus. It then says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Paul describes the generation in which he was uh, living as being crooked and depraved. As God's people, as God's children, we've been called and set apart. We've been set apart from the generation, from the people, similar to the time of when Paul was describing the people around the Philippian church. Paul's encouragement here is to walk into what it means to be set apart. 
by putting off all things that can easily shroud the light that is within each one of us. There is a light shining in each one of us as we believe in Jesus. And the thing that shrouds it is sin. Sin in every believing heart. And when the Holy Spirit reveals the things in our hearts that aren't of God, the best thing to do is get rid of them. Repent and receive his forgiveness. We are called to be holy as he is holy, as Jesus is holy. And this process is known as sanctification, which simply means the people that God has set apart. The word sanctify derives from a Latin verb, sanctificare, which in turn derives from sanctus. Here you go, it's a bit Latin for you all. Sanctus for holy, and facere means to make. In 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3, it says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. And in John 17, 17, Jesus himself says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Knowing Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life is a way that we are sanctified. And in this passage, Paul suggests two ways in which we can throw off the things that hinder, the things that hinder us from shining and finding joy in our lives. And I'm just going to spend a few moments now talking about these two things that Paul highlights. The first is do everything without complaining. Now, don't get me started. Have you seen the developments up the road? What a mess they are making, and that's for the traffic. Oh, my goodness. You can't move. It took me two hours to get to work this morning. Oh, and then there's the guy up the road. Oh, he's such a miserable so-and-so. Have you seen him? He just never smiles. He never says hello. He's rude. He's grumpy. He's a right miserable person. I did have another word there, but I thought. Then there's my next door neighbour. Oh my goodness, she's always parking over my drive. She doesn't have any consideration. You know, I've told her before, she just doesn't listen. You know, as I've been preparing for this, even last night, when Abby left the door open to take the recycling out, I found myself complaining that the door was left wide open. It's so easy to moan and complain about something. It's as though we have this button that just switches on and we can't stop ourselves. John Piper said in a blog, grumbling only adds to the darkness because it obscures the light of God's gracious providence. You know, it's so easy to grumble and complain. But here, Paul encourages the Philippian church What is it? He says in verse 14, do everything without complaining. But why do we find it so hard? Well, the thing to do is to replace it with something that is good. And my encouragement to us all, including myself, is to replace it with blessing. Blessing, speaking blessing, and speaking thankfulness instead of complaining or moaning. 
It's hard to stop something, isn't it? Unless you replace it with something else. So let's be a people that speak blessing and thankfulness in all of our outworkings this week, or try and do it a little bit more. Then we will shine. Then we will find joy. I don't know why, but joy comes when we speak blessing and thankfulness. You know, complaining seems to put a shroud, a cover over the light that is within us. There is a light within us that will shine when we speak blessing and thankfulness. I read an illustration this week. Um, it talks of a man who lived a few miles from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. What a great place to live. And he was asked, it must be fun watching the space shuttle launch and going to the beach all the time. And the man replied, I never go to the beach. I don't even go outside my house to watch the space shuttle launch. You're kidding me, why? Well, I've seen them so many times, it's, it's no big deal, really. It's noisy, loud, and you know, it just gets really busy. It's actually quite an inconvenience. You know, I think there's a, there's a danger when we see the same blessing every day, we eventually stop noticing them. You know, one of the things when I moved to the area a number of years ago, I was so blessed to live, first of all, so close to London, I love it, but I was also so blessed to live quite close to the airports. You know, in some ways, I feel equal distant from Gatwick as I do to Heathrow. And I loved it. I loved seeing the planes overhead. And I used to tell everybody, oh, look, there's an aeroplane every time an aeroplane went over. And I think people got a bit tired of it. But now I don't even notice them. They just fly over. And I noticed them this morning as I was coming in. I saw about six planes coming into church. I'm so blessed. I love the fact that we're so close to the airport so we can go anywhere in the world and we can get there so easily. What a blessing. And I'm so thankful for God to placing me right here. There is a danger when we see the same blessings every day, we stop noticing them. When we stop noticing them, we stop appreciating them. When we stop appreciating them, we stop thanking God for them. And when we stop thanking God for them, we start complaining about them. God's blessing us every moment, of every day, of every month, of every year. We've got a great God, a God full of blessing and life and love. You know, I wonder if there's times when we stop seeing the blessings and goodness of God and focus more on the circumstances around us. I wonder if there are times when having issues with a particular person, we see the problem being the other person, rather than perhaps the issues in our own hearts. You know, joy comes when we bring these things before him, before God, when we confess our sin and receive his forgiveness. You know, we have to receive his forgiveness. There's great joy in receiving forgiveness. We have been forgiven. That's a non-negotiable. But there are times when we do things where we need to confess and receive forgiveness. Joy is released. Joy is experienced. Joy to be the person that God has called you to be. Joy when we surrender our complaining to Jesus. Secondly, Paul says in the same verse, do everything without arguing. 
Now, here comes a moment. Put up your hands if you've had an argument this week. Few of us, okay, well, that's good. Some honesty around, that's lovely to see. Um, who is brave enough, here's a question for you, to admit they've had an argument this morning before church? Oh, oh there, yes, the, the kids might have, yes, absolutely. Having children brings that out in some ways in all of us. But, we, you know, arguments... Um, Abby and I argue. I don't know if that's new to you, but that's something that happens in our household. And when we first got married, we argued a lot. We argued all the time. Now, we argue less, and learning to argue less is part of what I talked about earlier, that process of sanctification. Because we are choosing to put Jesus into our hearts, into our lives, that we might argue less. You know, we're not perfect, and we never will be. But we're both looking to become more like Christ. We are both seeking, and historically, um, from my end, very reluctantly, but we're both seeking to look for each other's interests and not only our own. This same chapter earlier, it says in verse 4, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others, which I think is a very challenging verse. For me, it takes work. It takes work to do that, to put another person above yourself. It takes work because of the battle that rages in our own hearts. You know, learning to throw off all that hinders, as we heard earlier in Hebrews 12, throwing those things off is a process. It's one little decision after another. You know, one little decision after another. You know, praise God that we argue less now than when we did when we first got married. You know, you, you make one little decision after another and you look back and you go, wow, look where we've come. You know, God's plan is to display his glory through you and me. You know, completely broken people, yet God is choosing to display his glory through us. You know, it's up to us, guys. You know, I think to myself, God, you must have had a better plan. Surely this is not, using me to outwork your glory doesn't seem like a good plan. But that's his plan. So I'm going to choose to hear God, to be obedient, and to understand the part that he wants me to play in that. And God is choosing to do it through relationships, through the way that we interact with each other. Now, the issue is not that Abby and I disagreed about something. You know, that's not the issue. Disagreement and conflict is normal. The issue was that we didn't take time to listen to each other. I always think that I'm right. I'm learning that that's not true, but it takes time. You know, when we get to a place where we want to prove to the other person's right... Uh, the other person is wrong and we are right, then we're on sticky ground. If you always wanted to prove that you're right, you're on sticky ground. The antidote to arguing is listening. Listening is like the medicine. Listening is like the soothing ointment. Covey says in his book, 
seven habits. Uh, One of the habits is to seek first to understand before being understood. There is great power in just enabling the person who you are seeking to, well, wanting to convince your right or wanting to communicate with. There's great power in taking time to listen to what actually they have got to say. But, you know, it is hard. It's a lot harder in practice. You know, the book of James in the Bible encourages us as Christians to be quick to listen and slow to speak. That's encouragement to all of us from the book of James, from the word of God. The antidote to arguing is listening. Listening just calls everything down. When you seek to listen and reflect, actually speak back what that person is is actually trying to tell you, and enter into the other person's world, well, all sorts of things begin to open up. You'll be surprised at the difference that makes. You know, honestly, it works. It really does. So complaining and arguing, they're like shrouds that we throw over the wonderful light that's in each one of us. The light is still there, but it it doesn't shine when we turn to complaining and arguing. You know, they're yucky things. They, They can damage relationships. And God is a God of relationship. Verse 15 says, As we make these choices to not complain or argue, we become blameless and pure without fault. Something wonderful happens in us. The light that's in us begins to shine much brightly, much brighter. The light that's in us, that joy, that sense of Jesus being in us shines brightly as we make these choices. It's true fact. True fact. As Noah would say. True fact. The Philippians lived in a, in a crooked and depraved generation. Yet Paul encouraged them to shine like stars in the universe as they hold on to the word of life. How well are we shining like stars in the universe? You know, the star in our galaxy is shining very brightly this morning. Shining really brightly. How brightly are we shining? You know, what are the little things that God shows his great goodness to you about? How much do we shroud this light that shines in our hearts? And my encouragement to us all is to shine brightly with Christ, with Jesus, this morning. So if you'd like to stand, I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to get the worship band to lead us in a song together. Jesus, we thank you that you are the light of the world. Jesus, we thank you that you came as that light. That Jesus, that we can know the light. And we can know that light shining in our hearts. That we might be lights in the communities in which we live. That we might be lights shining brightly, Lord. 
with the goodness and love that you've placed in us. I just pray for each of us here now, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, just draw us close to you. And just encourage you, if there's anything that, that you know of, that you want to just, as the Holy Spirit leads, just give to him. Just do that right now. Thank you, Jesus.